Hey, all you beauties, and welcome to the Coffee and Concealer Podcast. We are Chen and Jane, the hosts of this show. If you are a mama, an entrepreneur, or someone who wants to be the best they can be while holding that mama fort down and not forgetting yourself in the process, then this podcast is for you. You can find out more or connect with us over at coffeeandconcealerpodcast.com or on Instagram. So go pour a hot cup of coffee and let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Coffee and Concealer podcast. Today it is Jane and I, and we are joined by a lovely, lovely friend of mine who I know through the Oddly enough, we're all photographers. Um, Mary Bigfull um, is a photographer here in and around Calgary. Um, and I know her through her sister. We went to school in Strathmore. And then ironically, through my husband, our husbands did voice. <laughs> so we kind of were reconnected in that in that figure. So welcome, Mary. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, Well, do we want to quickly hop into our lovely topics of uh, drink and product of the week? Yeah, let's do it. So I'll start. I want to talk about my drink of the week. So I'm down in the States, Mary. I just recently moved here and Mm -hmm. there's many different ones, but I'm a big energy drinker drinker, Mm -hmm. and I usually just go for a Red Bull. That's my favorite, guys. I tried a monster and it's watermelon <laughs> flavor. Ooh, that sounds good. You guys, it tastes exactly like a Jolly Rancher. You're mm. such a person to compare things to things. It's just <laughs> a fuzzy peach. Tastes just like a Jolly That's You always make a comparison. It kills me. Every time you're putting, it tastes or drink, yeah, just like. It's, it tastes so good. I've tried the Red Bull watermelon one and it's fine. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, fine. Fine. <laughs> it's, it's not my favorite, but I'll drink it. But this one, hands down. So good. It's so good. My problem is, is monsters are like huge. Too big. They're yeah. huge. I never finish it. Are they and bigger I'm, in the States? Huh? Are they bigger in the States? Because no, everything seems, no, they're the same size. Oh, good. Yeah, the same size. Everything seems bigger down here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but more bang for your buck as well. That's true. Yeah. That's the thing. But they're so big. I've, I can never finish one, but th- those ones are so dang tasty. So, so you're saying watermelon does not exist in Canada? It's coming. They've announced it. Ooh, you just have to okay. find it. Oh, good. It is. <laughs> they get me buzzing though. Red Bull doesn't give me a buzz. It just makes me stay awake. Like some people I'm sure with a cup of coffee would be. But a monster, I am bouncing off the walls. Energies, but then the crash, all oh, the crash. Oh so that's my drink. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Mary, what's your drink? Um, this week I was gonna say it's important, but I actually just enjoy drinking coffee at home. I don't drink anything else really. Yeah, I like I love Diet Coke, but just coffee. I like having coffee in the evening, and that's something I got from my grandma, my late grandma. She would always have a coffee and like a pastry, which is probably not good. But I'm always like, I need something with my coffee. So yeah, that's what I enjoy. I'm just a simple meal. Do you just have it black or do you put anything in it? No, I have two sweetener and two cream. Thank you. You're a double double. Yeah. There you go. I moved to sweetener from sugar because I'm trying to (laughs) decrease my sugar intake because I'm just like for a while, I was just like going crazy. And I was like, hey, this needs to stop. Let's just try something else. And coffee's my thing. So I was like, I'll start there. So yeah. I know people like have diets and stuff where like my husband does like fasting, right? He won't eat until 
p.m. or whatever, but he drinks yeah. black coffee. I'm like, that is, I, I don't eat until 2 p.m. anyways, just unintentionally yeah. being a mom kid. I know. <laughs> I can't not have creamer in my coffee. I can't. Yeah, no, I can't. It's not coffee. I just, ugh, I just, you just don't enjoy it. It's supposed to be something you enjoy, and it's just like, oh, this is bitter. Yeah, I can't do that. Right? I think, but I'm also glad to hear that someone else drinks coffee in the evening because. Yeah. So yeah. And people are like, how do you sleep? I'm like, I, just, I think, I don't know. I think because like working as a nurse, I just like kind of adapted to like, I did used to do lots of nights. So I'd like drink coffee and like, it just doesn't make me like wide awake. It just like kind of relaxes me. Our adrenal glands are probably not great. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> but yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, my product of the week is inspired by Jane Smith. Um, you've got me hooked on Red Bulls. Yes. But for a really good reason, because they are the perfect size. You're absolutely right. The smaller mm-hmm. are the perfect amount. Um, so obviously we don't have all the good ones in Canada, um, but the blueberry one is really, really good. I had a watermelon one yesterday. The tropical one is really good. I have been searching for this pear one that you've talked about last week. You can't, I've never found it in Canada. Oh, I've never every, heard of that. I go into the like gas station and I open, I'm like, there's a green one. Oh, it's striking for, oh. It's a really dark green, <laughs> okay. really, really dark. I'll, I'll find it and I'll send you a picture. I'm sending a package up to Canada soon. I'll find one and send I'll put it in. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's really light. Mm. I love it. Um, I do think that the tropical one is really tasty. Oh, that one takes me back to a few summers where pe- you know how like people get drunk well, I would get drunk on Red Bull <laughs> and I kid you not like I have a can of coke here I sat there at my brother-in-law's table one night <laughs> so stupid but I will never forget it it was the tropical can and I'm like I'm Beyonce and I was like uh oh uh oh uh oh oh no no who the hell did I think I was? But I was doing that for about like three hours. I wasn't drunk. I was just having way too much Red Bull. Whole time. Uh, I was like, do I sound like her? Because do you guys remember Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. I never saw the movie, but the soundtrack with her singing Crazy in Love, she like made it very sexual. <laughs> it was a good version. And that's what she does. She goes, uh, uh, uh. Whenever I have a Red Bull, it's like PTSD. When it's the tropical ones, I get like taken back to me sitting on his desk, <laughs> on his deck, I mean, doing that. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about products of the week. Yeah. What's yours, Jane? Okay, I'm still obsessed with it. And I talked about getting it last week, but it finally came. Your book. Uh, it's my journal from Daydreamer Journals. And my gratitudes, affirmations, and intentions. First off, you guys, look how cute this is inside. You can't Ooh, see, nice. but they can. It's so mm-hmm. cute. And all I do is I just write down three things I'm thankful for, then my affirmations, and then my intentions. And then there's even a spot. It's like thoughts and feelings for today. And today I wrote down... Today, I am so thankful my children will never be taken from me, which um, considering what we're about to talk about, yeah. I felt mm-hmm. like this, this episode has been weighing on my mind a lot. And so I'm yeah. like, I am truly like so thankful and I'm heartbroken for others. Yeah. But I'm taking that moment to like recognize how freaking lucky I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
and obviously we're going to go more into that, but I just, I like that I have a place to like put these thoughts and feelings in with intention into a place now, not just like, I need one of those books. Okay. Amazon. They're okay. so cute. And they're so, I know they're so well-priced. Yeah. Like, and then she has like, um, journals for like kids who are beginning to journal and Aww. then um no like basic journals for adults but she's got two of these types and I love it I just I just like that it's a, a place specifically for this so yeah I'm just gonna give them another shout out because I genuinely love it awesome. do you have a product Mary that you love um actually yeah so I started working out again and you know like I started using uh a waist train, not a waist trainer, but it's from Sweat Science. And honestly, it's just like, it. I used to wear a cow and I used to feel like really like as a mom, you're just like, oh my God, I'm so jiggly. Everything's like jiggly. <laughs> and then like I started using this and I'm just like, this is the most amazing thing. You feel a little more confident working out. Uh-huh. I used to like focus on my like my stomach a lot and I'd be telling my husband, just hold on, I need to pull up my pants. <laughs> my stomach's falling out. It's just like, but yeah, that's I think that's my favorite thing this week that I'm using is it's really it makes your stomach sweat. And I know people are like, they're so useless, but like as a mom, I'm not using it for for my stomach to like be super sweaty. I know it's kind of like lame, but I just use it kind of to gave me a little confidence because you know how a mom's stomach is kind of sucks sometimes yeah yeah mary i don't know if you've listened to this episode but when we talked about there's an episode me and jen did where we talked about megan markle yeah and the whole time i was wearing a waist trainer <laughs> i'm telling you it pushed my boobs up to like my chin yeah <laughs> do you remember that shit <laughs> Like, I said waist trainer I cracked up oh my god I, I like I went back to that moment where I'm like my boobs are to my chin but my word my stomach my hips my waist was snatched yeah yeah like, it's nice I looked good yeah underneath was a little hot mess but I yeah. get what you're saying and I work out with one on it does, yeah. does yeah. make a difference yeah I totally get you yep um Jen? Okay, well, you guys had cool products, and I'm just going to sound like a fatty over here because I've been talking about chocolate. (laughs) Okay, if you watch my Instagram stories, I talked about how I'm German. Um, My dad Mm -hmm. was born in Germany, so, like, I'm legit German, okay? Yeah. Um, And marzipan is, like, a German staple in in my house. Um, So there are lots of places to get marzipan, but marzipan is basically, like, a dark chocolate and it's filled with this like delicious like almond paste mixed together. It sounds kind of gross, but it's actually so, so good. Um, so I found at London Drugs, it's called Rittersport. And this is actually like a German brand. Like this is made in Germany. Um, but this one is a dark chocolate with marzipan. So it is dark chocolate, yeah, filled with this almond paste filling, which is like um, sugar, cocoa, almonds, cocoa butter, all kinds of goodness. So and you guys do your waist trainers. Um, I'm going to be over here eating chocolate. <laughs> um, Jen, did you really buy the dark chocolate version? Yes. Out of all the chocolates, you picked dark? I do like dark chocolate. Do you have taste buds? 
I do. I do. I love all kinds of chocolate. But I feel like with marzipan, you have to have like a dark chocolate to cut the sweetness of the almond paste. Does that make sense? No. No. Seeing the TikTok trends where they're eating watermelon with mustard on it, or there's watermelon with cinnamon. I've heard about that. I have heard about those. People have said the cinnamon one is really good. I feel like we have to try this on our Instagram. Mary, you have to try it too. I will. I'll probably like. I have a giant watermelon in my fridge that needs to be cut out. Well, right, do it and let us know. I will. Okay. I'll believe you. You but I didn't do it. <laughs> I'll just I'll just acknowledge that it happened. Oh. And like you ate mustard on your watermelon. Yep. But I won't. <laughs> I mean, like some things go together, right? Like there's um, what is it, prosciutto and cantaloupe? Oh. Right? It's cutting you out, Jen. Oh, prosciutto and cantaloupe. Oh, what? Have you heard of that? Did she say prosciutto and cantaloupe? Yes. Mm-hmm. What is prosciutto? Prosciutto is like a sandwich. I think she's saying prosciutto. Are you saying persci- prosciutto? Like the, the like meat? Yes. <laughs> it keeps freezing, hun. Oh, no. Can you hear me? Okay. Pause for a second. Hold on. <clears throat> Perfect. Okay, so Mary, why don't you take a second and just let us know kind of who you are, kind of what you do, and then we'll get into this conversation. Um, well, my name is Mary Bigbull. I'm from Sixaga. Um, I'm half Blackfoot and half Cree. My mom's from, originally she's from Moose Factory, Ontario, so way across Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandma and grandpa they actually met working in residential school as they got older so like as they got older it kind of got a little bit better and so they when you got older you kind of had to take on roles of like board uh dorm room uh boys room and girls room supervisor and that's how they met my grandma started uh working in this factory and then they just kind of moved her down provinces and she ended up at old sun and so yeah so that's how they met and um I've been a nurse for 10 years. I help, I co-own and I help manage one of my parents' businesses. And I started photography about three years ago. And yeah, that's what I do. And I'm a mom, I'm a mom of three. I'm a wife to Tawny and that's my life. That's all I do. I work in my couple. (laughs) That's a lot. So give yourself some credit. I say it so casually, and I'm like, right down, right. You, I'm like, holy crap, woman! Like, um, it's a lot. That shop is amazing. Your parent shop. What is it called again? It's called. So we own Boy Chief Trading Post mm-hmm. and uh, Boy Chief Trading Company, which is our blanket company, and then MNR Gas, and then we also own DNC Petroleum, which is a fuel distributor. That's insane. Good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I need one of those blankets, like ASAP. I know They're I've been so nice. They're beautiful. We actually, They're like, so they're wool blankets. And um, we, we actually started the company to, we were thinking, how can we pass on Boy Chief's history? Boy Chief was my great, great grandfather. So he actually took care of my grandpa before and after residential school. Okay. He, my grandpa would kind of see him here and there before residential school. And then after residential school, he kind of took my grandpa under his wing. 
And so we incorporated his history with our with our blankets and so like they're beautiful wool blankets and we chose traditional colors and my dad designed a blanket and yeah they're beautiful they're actually we have uh instagram and facebook so you can check them out on there uh i want to see instagram because i want to see they're beautiful i've seen them at a couple markets that you guys did when we ran into you i just don't know what color i want like i'm so overwhelmed (laughs) With your house, I would say ivory. And where ivory is actually, it's being made right now. No, actually it's coming. So we should have ivory in about three weeks. And that's my favorite blanket. Okay, deal. Signed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ivory. Although yes. the colors of the other ones are stunning. I know, yeah. And we have a new purple one coming. Oh, so pretty. Um, amazing. Okay, and so um, what kind of nurse are you? I'm an LPN and I work on a, in, on acute care in Strathmore and I do emergency too. Um, I did lots of palli- palliative on acute care. Mm-hmm. Um, palliative was, it, it's hard. It's, it drained a lot out of me and it took a lot out of me. Cause like you take care of these patients for months, you, you form a friendship with them and then you take care of them right till they die. So it's hard. It took a lot out of me. So now, um, I don't nurse full-time. I nurse, like, casually. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it was 10 years of nursing. I was like, okay, I think I better step back because it was taking lots out of me. I'd come home some nights and I'd be like, Donnie, I would just cry because it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to carry. Every person you meet, they take a bit of you when they die. Uh-huh. And so I was just like, yeah, it was a lot, so... Yeah. And so that's why my parents were like, well, why don't you come work for us? And so I do lots of, uh, I do all their marketing for them and their social media. And Mm -hmm. yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. So do you want to talk more about your grandpa? Sure. So my grandpa's name um, was Floyd Royal. His Blackfoot name was Sipristo. He was actually, I think he was given that name. So in our culture, we're all given Indian names. It's you either are given an an Indian name from a respected elder or you're given an Indian name from your grandpa or someone has a dream about you. Um, My grandpa didn't give me my Indian name. Um, My Indian name is Isoinimakiwa and that means captured by the river woman. And I was given that name from someone from Ghana. And I actually, not a lot of people know this about me, but my dad and I, we took part in what is called a ceremony. It's called the Ukan. Okay. And so um, I was 10 years old when I took part of the Ukan and I, it was, I know you asked about my grandpa, but I'm just going to go too. into this. <laughs> so um, I was actually at a powwow and I was running around and this lady I had never met before came up to me and she like grabbed me and she said, who's your parents? And I was like, ah, I was kind of like freaked out. And she's like, can you just show me who your parents are? And so I was like, okay. So I brought uh, her to my parents and they said, and we had never met her ever and she said I had a dream about your daughter and in my dream she someone told me that she was going to help me run the Uga and my parents and her name was Stella Tallman she was like 
the most amazingest person ever. Like she was just like, she passed, she's passed on. And I was like, so heartbroken when she passed on. And so she's like, your daughter, she needs to come down to the, our reserve and she's going to help us in Ukon. She's going to actually fast for four days, four nights. And so my dad actually did it with me and it was amazing. I, I, I was very young and I, I remember bits and pieces pieces of it. Um, and it was one of the most amazing things that I ever had been through. And I was like, yeah. And, but the one, my one memory is when they, they said, because I was so young, they said, when the sun goes down, you can eat one thing. And I was like, okay. So like my grandma told me, I was like, it was like the sun was coming down and I was like slowly walking back to the vehicle with the Indian taco. And I was, she's like, you were walking so carefully and you were like, and she said, and you just came and you like savored your whole Indian taco and you're, you didn't want to share with anyone. And so that culture has always been a huge part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that my grandpa instilled in us because it was taken away from him. Mm-hmm. And so going back to my grandpa, yeah, his name is Floyd Royal. He was from Sixiga. Um, his mom's name was Alfreda, and his dad name his dad's name was Jack, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he had a stepdad named Patrick Bearhat. After uh, I think Jack had passed on, Patrick kind of came into the picture. And at that time, his mom had four. He had uh, him. His auntie Ramona, his his sister Ramona, which I have a picture of her on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, Frank, there was Daryl, and I think there was just four of them. Anyways, my grandpa, he attended Old Sun Residential School. And he was actually four years old when he was taken. And he told me the story one time because I asked him, I said, I said, can you tell me like what happened to you? in regards to residential school and he said I was four years old he said I remember it so clearly he said even though I was so little he said my mom and my mom knew that they were coming to get us because sometimes they knew and sometimes they showed up and you didn't know but you kind of had I I know what they did was they sent out letters and um Tommy yeah, they sent out letters to the families and they would say, we're coming to get your child. We're just forewarning you. And if you refuse, we're going to take your child anyways and you're going to end up in jail. Oh and then so my grandpa said, I remember my mom told us they're coming today. I need you guys to go and I need you to hide in the barn. Oh, so he said, for a second, who's coming? Who was sending? The, so when they would come to get you, it would be a priest, a nun, and usually two RCMP officers. Awesome. Yeah. It's crazy. I like, it's, I just, I can't even fathom it. I have a, my youngest child is six months old, but I have a three-year-old and that's how young they were when they started taking them. Three years old. And so and they just forewarn these people sometimes being like, hey, get your crap together. We're coming regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did people like this? I'm going to sound so ignorant, but I am ignorant yeah. in this. Would yeah. people run? Would people literally like pack up and say they're coming and take my kid? I'm going to leave. Yeah, a lot. Of, so some people would migrate to the States, but residential schools actually happen, happened in the States too. They were in Canada and the U.S., 
Okay. There was hundreds of residential schools in the U.S. So it happened not just in Canada, but both countries. Okay. And so my grandpa said, Alfreda told us, you need to go. You guys need to hide. And so he said, I remember Ramona grabbing me and taking me up to the barn with their other two siblings. And he said, um, he said, we just hid. He said, and we saw a vehicle pull up and they started kind of like, he said, I could kind of faintly hear them. And they started telling like her, you need to turn your kids over to us. If you don't, either way, we're going to arrest you. And either way, they're going to have to come with us. So she had to let them go. And, um, Oh my God. Sorry. This is so emotional. I've never actually talked about this with anyone else. I don't have any right to be upset. I have zero right to be upset, but I am angry. No, because you relate because everyone relates when it comes to children. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's, that's why I think I'm so passionate, why I was talking to Jen about it before you got on. I was like, this is hitting me so much harder. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because I have children now and I, and it should have hit me harder then, but I'm relating to it so much more. And so I'm sitting here, sorry, our listeners can't see our faces right now, but I like had my hands over my mouth because I'm, I'm physically having a, I'm having a physical anger reaction to what you're saying to hear that people of God, and I am religious, but people of God came and said, we're taking your kids and you're going to go to jail if you don't give us your children. Like, yeah. And I hope that our listeners are having a reaction to this as well. I really, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm not trying to interrupt. Yeah. (laughs) Please keep going. Okay. And so, yeah, he was taken to residential school and I was actually, he, he stopped there. He's like, he couldn't talk about it anymore. Um, all he told me was really horrible stuff happened to me. I was raped. Um, we were starved. And when they spoke, take your time, love, take your time. Just remember that you're telling his story. Anytime they spoke, anytime he spoke his language, he would either get beaten and you would have to stand up in front of the class and they'd make you hold your arms out and they'd hit your hands. There's some pictures that are circulating on the internet where there's pictures of boys, kids and nuns, and their hands are like blue. Oh my gosh. And so he said it was... He was there until he was 16. He said, I took off a couple of times. And when you took off and they couldn't find you, they'd notify your family. And they would say, like, if he's there and we find him there, he's not allowed back home for the rest of the year. Because they were allowed to go home for holidays. But if you took off, you weren't allowed to leave. You weren't allowed to see your family. From the age of four to 16? Yeah. Oh my God. So let's just, sorry. So let's just explain to to people who are listening because not everyone might understand what residential school did. So these were, was it Catholicism? Was it Catholic or was it? Catholics, yeah. Okay. So it was Catholic schools that were in place to literally beat the culture out of you. Yeah, they, right. it was used for assimilation. They, they, they looked at uh, as us as savages, and they said that our culture was of the devil, 
and that they they were doing us a favor by taking our kids and putting them into these schools. Yeah. What the hell? Crazy. And it's, yeah. And it went on. I was six years old when the last residential school closed. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was in 1997. Yeah. Sorry, because I was eight. Yeah, and people, they think, people tell us to get over it. But you can't. I like in my poem when I said we're still living through it. We are. Mm-hmm. It's it's generational trauma and it doesn't go away. So Mary, in my work, when I'm not doing coffee and concealer, I actually worked with child and youth family services with different programs. And so I actually worked with a lot of youth, um, Aboriginal youth, Indigenous youth, sorry who had experienced intergenerational trauma. It's a very real thing. Um, For those who don't understand what the meaning of intergenerational trauma is when something happens within your family, in your generational line, and trauma gets passed down. And it's a very real thing. And I want people to think of it as in you have a, this is how we would get explained to us. And I want people to understand exactly what it's like. So you have a big piece of Play-Doh. And I want you to take that ball of Play-Doh and you're just going to throw it around the room. Okay. And then you're going to say that's generation one and generation two has to go and try and pick up every single piece of this Play-Doh and put it back together exactly how it was. And sometimes pieces of Play-Doh will fall off and it will go into the carpet or it will will go behind the couch or it'll go under a table. So you'll miss that piece of it. And so as you're trying to build back this ball of Play-Doh, someone is still taking apart everything you're bringing back and then telling the next generation, go pick it up. Well, then they can't go pick up every piece to create this perfect ball of Play-Doh again it's going to have carpet it's going to have hairs in it it's going to have dirt in it it's going to have things missing from it and that's what intergenerational trauma is doing you were never going to get it whole again um with with without going back to square one Mm -hmm. and i hope that that makes sense to our listeners of what it's like um And so my job was to work with these youth with indigenous programs to try and help them through this trauma and I'm I'm shaking because I'm so angry for you, but you're 100% right. People don't know and people do just expect you to just get over it. Well, it didn't happen to you. You should be thankful it didn't happen to you. The amount of times I've heard you should just be thankful it didn't happen to you. It's like, shut the hell up and walk away. It didn't happen to me, but like my grandpa was in residential school. My parents were in day school. My mom actually called me before I went into Walmart, my favorite store. <laughs> and um, yeah, and she said, she, we were talking and she said, it's really affected us. She said, I've had a, two hard weeks and I'm going to share her story. And I didn't ask for permission, but I'm going to anyways, just so people kind of get a look that even my mom went through this. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know how old she was, but she peed her pants in school and they made her pull down her pants and they made her stand in front of the classroom. What the hell? Yeah. There's more like- details into it. She never really went into detail, but that was kind of like a gist of it. And she said, it's taken a lot out of me. She said, and it's making me miss grandpa. Mm -hmm. And to think 
what his siblings and that generation went through. He said, this was just the tip of, she said, this was just the tip of the iceberg of what I went through. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I told her, like, in our family, we've had a hard, like, two weeks. You don't know, you don't, you don't realize how much it has affected you until you have, like, a massive meltdown and you're just like, oh, my God. This actually happened. This happened to people I know. This happened to my grandpa. And... I'm sure everyone you know knows Mm -hmm. someone who was in it themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single person. Every single indigenous person. Our generation, obviously. Like, we were never in... Obviously, I'm just saying we is a loose term, but, like, anybody that's your age, Mary, probably was never in a school. They missed that cap somehow. Um, But anyone older than you has personal experience. Well, you know... Tawny's younger than me. He's 20. I'm third. Hold on. Jeez. I never know how old I am. I'm 31. Tawny's 29. And he experienced, he said, my teachers had no tolerance for me because he was ADHD. He said, I remember being hit on the hands with rulers. He said, I remember my one teacher, she had nail clippings and socks. And when I, when I would act out or I couldn't sit still on my desk, she'd hit my wrists with that. And with Kamitani, he's 28 years old. My husband experienced that that treatment at that age. And it's like, and he he was saying today, I'm so thankful, our son Isaiah, because a lot like I know I'm very open about it. Isaiah has extreme speech delay, both receptive and expressive. And his teachers are like friggin' amazing. Like they're just like his teachers, Mrs. B. Shout out to Mrs. B at Wheatland. <laughs> but yeah, she's like, she's just like amazing. And Tony's like, I wish I had those kind of teachers when mm-hmm. I was little. He said, I think I would have turned out differently. Mm-hmm. He said, because nobody wanted to deal with me. Nobody wanted to deal with my my issues I had as a child. He said, people just wanted to shove me in a corner. And yeah, and he said, I'm so thankful that Isaiah gets the treatment he does. He said, because even when he was going to school, he didn't have that patience. He didn't have that understanding of like every child is different. No, absolutely. And so, um, three, what was it? Sunday, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I was like, I was like, I'm going to read the Truth and Reconciliation book. So I like woke up and I read for two hours straight. I just laid in bed. And the stories I was reading, I was just like, oh, my God. They were so, every story that I read was either they were playing in the yard and they were taken without their parents even knowing. Oh, my God. And then parents would be sent letters and when, when a child would disappear, a parent would know, okay, the residential school took them. And he said, that a lot of them said, like, they were sent letters weeks after, he said. And some, they would go around and it was like, kind of like, you know, those trucks that like, have like just a big opening. They don't even have seating, kind of like to like load animals in. Uh-huh. I think that's the best way. He said we would all have to stand there and like kids would be like following, falling everywhere and kids would be crying. And, uh, all they, they all said that they would get to the school and kerosene would be put on their hair 
because they assumed that they had lice. He said, and a lot of them said like, or they they'd they'd be doused in bleach. Oh my god! And um, yeah, and so that was the process of they get to the school, they'd be told to strip naked, they'd be doused in kerosene or bleach or like this really like potent white powder. A lot of them spoke about. I'm not sure what the name of it is. And they'd be told to, then after that, they'd have to, that it would sit for a little while and then they would shower and then they would cut their hair and then they would give them clothes um, and then they would just give them a number. And that's what they, a lot of them said they weren't even called by their name. They were just given a number and that's what they were, they were called by. And this one lady's story... Like it sounds yeah. like flipping. We hear about it when we learn about like World War Two and everything, and you hear about Auschwitz and how the the Jews and the homosexuals and anyone who didn't comply with Nazi law were stripped down and they were had their heads shaved because they believed them to be dirty. And I'm using quotes because I don't agree, obviously, with what these people did. Um, yeah. And I, it just sounds like. It sounds exactly like you're describing something that to yeah. me was never in my lifetime. And it almost, when I hear of World War II, I know it happened, but because yeah. I've never had, it wasn't in my lifetime, it feels like, it's almost like a really bad dream. Yeah. And you're saying it, and I'm like, this happened while I was alive. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. and not to me, but like to human beings. And yeah. they were literally just doing a genocide. Yep. In... Sorry, I'm not trying. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I'm hearing. No, no, like, no. It's it's it sounds like you're in Auschwitz, and you're not. You're in Canada, in flipping the ninth. What is it? The twentieth century. Like, yeah. Sorry, carry yeah. on. Yeah, and so a lot of the stories and oh, they oh the stories were horrible. So like a lot of the stories that I re- read were if you were caught spoke speaking your language um you'd be beaten you'd be hit um rape for kids started as young as four or five and um to a point where they weren't able to have kids as they got older because they were so damaged inside were these were these (sighs) what was happening when these things were happening in the schools was it known yeah it was known and nothing was being done no what was their justification for how they got away with it because i'm sorry i like to think that in the 90s when it was happening or at the 80s if someone if a child was raped that person would have been prosecuted to the full extent the fullest extent of the law so if they knew it was happening how i think how would they get away with it in some of the stories sometimes the priests or the nuns would be fired kind of like in later years as it like kind of got like it never got better but as it got like not as bad if that makes sense um but it just happened and and a lot of the stories the the kids were like I didn't tell anybody because I was embarrassed and this one lady's story she said they wanted to they wanted to assimilate us they wanted to take our culture they wanted to teach us how to not be savages and how to be human beings but all that i took from residential school was how to lie steal and cheat and trade sexual favors for stuff oh my gosh yeah 
because priests, it wasn't just the priests, it was the nuns too. So many stories about nuns. Um, and then usually what would happen would be like, they would kind of like groom them to like kind of gain their trust. And then they would start... That, and that's what in my poem I said like the heaviness and it, they would come in the nighttime mm-hmm. and they would just choose whoever and it's crazy it's crazy that it's it's insane I just like I can't even oh and um, I also read that a lot of the stories were if you had any sort of delay you were treated even worse like my son, if that was still happening today, he would probably be treated worse. Like they said you were, tr- they all said that they were treated like animals. And as they grew, they, it like, it's like, because in, it was instilled in them that their culture and their, how they were and the color of their skin was dirty and it was not good and it was of God. A lot of them said they started resenting their family. They started, they started not wanting to be an Indian. They started not wanting to go visit their family and it would like disgust them to hear their family speaking their language and how they would dress. And they started hating it. Oh my gosh. And so it's, and it's, it affected me because as I was growing up, you know, I was my, we were part of the Ukan and then my dad did the piercing Sundance. That's a whole other story. It's a ceremony that's from uh, the Lakota Sioux tribe in South Dakota that my dad and my uncle Morris, they brought back to Canada and my grandma, Barbara. And so, um, we were a part of the Sundance. We, my dad was one of the best fancy dancers in the world. And so they took, they always made an effort to, for, for our culture to be a part of our lives. But I was always conflicted. Like I always felt embarrassed when I was younger and like, is this okay? Like, you know, is it right? I believe in God and I want to, but I want to follow my culture at the same time. And it's all, it was a lot of us, this generation, there was so much conflict it was like like is it but in in the you know like in this my religion says I can't believe in anything else but then I'm I have such a rich culture and so that was the the thing that I that I struggled with for a really long time I was like and so I left it we left the Sundance and we were still going to powwows, but, but we kind of like stepped away from like the ceremony part of our uh, culture until um, just about a year ago, one of my favorite people in the world, Lucy, she said, I used to struggle with the same thing until someone told us there's a reason why you were made to be a native and it shouldn't, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. And if you want to practice your culture and you want to be a part of that, then you should. Amen to that. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And after that, I kind of like, I was like, okay. But that's that's what people don't see. It's still, it even affects me. Like, I'm just like, is it right for me to like want to be a part of ceremonies? And is it right for me to like want to be a part of that lifestyle? And it is, it's okay. But that's what residential school taught us. And that's what was passed on, that it wasn't okay to be an Indian. Yeah. And yeah. That's right. Yeah. You should be. I know, but that's, that's what they instilled in us. And that was their whole plan. And they succeeded a lot of us. And so you go to different reserves and a lot of us can't speak our own language. 
What would your language, your native tongue be? So is that the mine's word? Black. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 Okay. So okay, mine's, mine's Blackfoot. There's actually two different dialects. My grandpa and my dad speak old Blackfoot. My dad is one of the like one of the only ones in Siksiga, they're like his age that can understand and speak the old Blackfoot because he was raised by partly by his um, grandma and grandpa. He's, he was able to speak old Blackfoot and which I find amazing. So he's always trying to teach my son. It's so crazy. Isaiah, he wasn't, he was having a really hard time grasping English, but he can grasp Blackfoot. And I'm just like, that's crazy. It's a, like, must be a different part of his brain that he's able to like. He knows. His subconscious yeah. knows that's his birthright. 100%. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Um, would you mind, can you speak any of it? Would you mind I, teaching us? Is that okay? I understand. Like, I, I honestly, like, I can't speak a lot of it. I know, like, words. So I know, like, okay, that's like, hello. I know, like, just like simple terms. I know animals. I know colors. But I don't know a lot. And mm-hmm. that's the, that's the result of like residential school. Yeah. We weren't. Your son knows it. Hey, that's so cool. He's so cute. He's like, um, uh, he had, they like, when they see each other, my dad, my dad says, uh, oh, what are the words that he's, he's always like, oh, he says, and that, I think that means good morning. Sorry. I'm like really bad at Blackfoot, honestly. And I, and I draw. Sounds a like a professional swing. to me. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> no. And so like, but he's catching on. And like, every time my dad sees him, he teaches him a new word. And, but then you go to like different reserves, for example, my husband's reserve Morley, they speak fluent stony. And it's so like- I guess it's, yeah, my husband and my, his family, they all speak fluent Stony. So he's actually teaching Lily and Isaiah how to speak Stony too. So they're not just learning Blacks, but they're learning Stony. And it, we're lucky. We're lucky to be able to, I told Tony, it's amazing. You, you and your grandma can have a full conversation. And I'm just like, I feel like real life. Oh, I don't understand what you guys are saying, but I'm just going to sit over here. But it's good. It makes me happy because it's, it, that's how it needs to be. Because one day, it's, I'm scared that black, Blackfoot's going to, our language is going to die because no one will understand it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, like they're a result yeah. of it. People need to speak it. It needs to be something yeah. taught, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like kids, like outside of this conversation, just languages in general, like people are really speaking English and French and that is it. Yeah. And anything else, yep. unless your family members speak it. Like my mother-in-law is Swiss. Um, yeah. My dad is German and yeah. I, I don't speak German. And my husband mm-hmm. doesn't understand Swiss German and German. Um, yeah. He doesn't speak it. And so like our kids don't understand it either. So I'm like, oh my goodness, like someone needs to teach the Swiss to yeah. our children, right? Like we need to keep that generation going. Yeah. Um, do you want to touch quickly on your, you, I knew that you said you call her your great aunt, Ramona. Yes. Yeah. And I just touch on her because that was your grandpa's sister, correct? Yeah. So that was my grandpa. That's my grandpa's younger sister, I believe. Sorry. I'm just like so bad with like ages. I, no. That's my grandpa's sister for sure. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she's still alive. She's kind of taking the role. So in our culture, when you lose a grandma and grandpa, 
they kind of, the auntie will kind of take the role of that person. Mm-hmm. So my grandma Barbara's still alive. She's actually from Ghana. That's my dad's mom. And she's so knowledgeable. But my auntie, she's, it's hard to see each other when we live two hours away. Um, but my grandma Ramona, I call her my grandma Ramona. She has kind of stepped in. And when my grandpa passed away, she was like, she told my mom, you know, like, I'm always going to be here. And we were actually supposed to sit down with her yesterday. Mm-hmm. And she's, we're going to do still do it, but she had to watch um, her grandkids. But um, we were actually, we're going to sit down with her and we're going to f- uh, interview her. And we're going to get all of her, well, try to get as many stories as we can, because she's just like a walking book of knowledge. It's amazing. She knows everything and everyone. And Eve, I was showing her pictures from Glenbow Archives, and she was like, oh, yeah, that's this person, this person. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how do you? She's just amazing. And so and that's how my grandpa was. But I, you think that your grandparents are going to be around forever and that they're invincible. And so... Yeah. He, my, my, um, my husband got a lot of my grandpa's stories and my dad's. But I was always... I... I started photography after he passed away and I was like, Oh man, I wish I could have got some photos of him. I have lots of photos of him, but they're like cell phone photos. Yeah. But yeah, my auntie, she's the head of our family. She's the oldest surviving sibling. Um, I believe there was like with the bear hats and Royals combined, they had 13 kids. Oh my gosh. And so she's the oldest one and she's just amazing. Like I, I don't know her residential school story. That's why we were going to sit down with her. I was hoping I could, get it before this interview um but i wasn't able to yeah seriously because she's gonna have a lot to share Mm -hmm. how how are they doing with with let's talk about kamloops for a quick second if you'll indulge me it's obviously um this horrific event has happened in kamloops with the 215 school children whose this mass grave has turned up um if, if you're okay to touch on this, how is, yeah. how is your community doing? How are, because that is going to bring up all these old feelings for them and hit this is their home. Like this is yeah. obviously, the, um, how are they it's, doing? Um, and is Canada doing enough? Let's hold Canada accountable. No, Canada's um, not doing enough. They've never done enough. You know what baffles me is we don't learn about this in school. That's what baffles me. Like, I was, like, growing up and I was, like, learning about things halfway across the world that had no relevance to me. But yet they do not want to teach residential school. And then they say, oh, it's it's too heavy. Well, hello, you guys did genocide. And we learn about what happened to the Jews. You teach us all that, but you don't want to teach your own history. Yeah. And people don't want to be held accountable. And they say, oh, well, I didn't do anything. That was like way in the past. Yeah, you didn't do anything. But at least you can do, the least you can do is educate your kids. Mm-hmm. Educate 100%. yourself. And our, it's, it's heavy. It's so heavy. It's yeah. like, it's, especially with kids, like you said, it resonates differently when it involves any kind of child. Yeah. As young as three. That was the youngest body that was found. Yeah, or so far. They haven't identified all of them yet, but yeah, so far. No. And that's my daughter's age. That's yeah. Lily's age. And it's it's horrible. 
-hmm. and but people are speaking out and it's time that we speak out because it was like okay uh the government here's a bunch of money but you guys just shut up about it don't talk about it but we're just going to throw a bunch of money at you and that's just going to fix everything it's like no money doesn't fix everything we just want to be heard we want these stories to be told people need to know what happened they need to know that racism still exists and that's what frustrates me the most is like people are so ignorant. People think that racism doesn't exist just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I think that's probably the biggest load of crap I've ever heard if people think that that doesn't exist. Oh, I, it's so emig- horrible. Like oh even goodness. just emigrating from England, like yep. I came here and I instantly learned very quickly about the racism just with yep. indigenous and then the caucasians it's yep. there i heard the stereotypes um which they're not true <laughs> obviously yep. but it's because people just have hate in their heart and then they've been taught this and they've been taught this through their generations right it's generation yep. racism right yeah so um I have, I have notes, so just let me refer to it because yep. you've been like checking off everything I wanted to ask you without me asking. Yep. <laughs> why are people so afraid to speak? How can we raise our voices? So why I'm asking that is because on June the 4th, like I told, I told you, I crept your Instagram. I was like, mm-hmm. I was going to drop some knowledge and some truth and I am here for it. You said yeah. your silence hurts. You said a whole big thing, but that's what stuck out to me. And yeah. Canada has been silent on it. I know that Trudeau came out and he said his little spiel as a prime minister should do, but nothing else has really happened. Um, and people are sitting back going, what, what can we do? I was, I was saying this before we started recording the podcast, but I talked about how we were interviewing you today on my Instagram. And I had quite a lot of messages, like an influx of messages really um, from people, white people who were saying, we can't wait to hear this episode because we don't know what to do. Yeah. How can we help? Because they don't want to take a, it's, how do I word this without sounding like an ass? But like, <laughs> it's not our trauma. Yeah. I cannot take that away from you. Yeah. That would be very rude and ignorant of me to act like it's my trauma. But yeah. it's, it happened to humans. Yeah. So how can we make this right? Um, right by you guys, by yep. your culture, without being, I don't know how to word it right, I'm so sorry, but we're not the victims here. We're the ones who have to make up for it because we have to hold our culture and our race accountable for what happened, right? Yeah. Um, and me and Jen have talked about this and I've been talking about it till I'm blue in the face. Um, we've both signed up for um, an indigenous course through the University of Alberta. There's multiple, multiple places where you can learn more about your culture, more about the different, um, would it be tribes or sects? I don't, sorry, I don't want to say the wrong terms here, but I I have been learning. I just took my first exam today. Um, and I know that there's courses out there, but how can we be a voice with you guys? How can we help make your voices louder? I think, one of the things that shocked me and the Tani the most was we had close, close friends not even acknowledge it, that it happened. You know, people want to share things that happen across the world. That's great. But when it comes knocking at their door, they, people are ignorant, ignorant to it. 
yeah. and we were actually talking about this and he's like I'm kind of hurt and I'm like yeah it feels like when you don't acknowledge it it's like oh it's not important it didn't happen 215 kids meh whatever I'm just gonna go on with my day that's how we felt and that's why I posted that post because it's like it hurts yeah. we're not asking for people to say sorry and we're not asking for sympathy and we're just asking for for you to educate yourself for yep. you to educate your kids and education is key when it comes to this because there's so much in I live in Strathmore and oh my god this town is so racist I go on the Strathmore page and I'm just like <laughs> I'm blown away that people feel so privileged that they can spew words out of their mouth and that they think it's okay. And I live in this town and it makes me sad because I've, I've served people, I've served white people for 10 years at my hospital, at the hospital here. And I've served this community for 10 years and it just breaks my heart to see what goes on in the Strathmore page and what things, what things are said about Indians and about black people and about any other race. And it, there was actually one lady's post, she said, just when this the news came up uh, out about 215 kids and people oh, started posting this. about it, she said, well, if you make it about race, then you're the racist. And I'm just like, I was just like blown away. I was like, and then she's like, oh no, I wasn't, I didn't say it. And it's like, no, you knew what you were doing. You know, you knew the ignorance that you were putting out there. Like, like at least to do with race. Yeah. And it's like, it's not about that. It's, it's about Canada just taking ownership and being like, yeah, this was a genocide. Let's put it into school curriculum and let's teach our kids this. So we don't have a generation that grows up thinking that all these people are, are just a bunch of drunks and nobodies because that's what I heard growing up my entire life was like, Oh, just another drunk Indian. Even working at our hospital, I've heard that. And it just breaks my heart. And I'm just like, come on, people, be better. Educate your damn self. And if you can't, then just keep your mouth shut. If you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all. That because was, there's, oh, it frustrates me. That infuriates no me because if the roles were reversed and like, I, like I'm a white, I'm as white as white can be, like I'm see-through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'm religious. So that would be yeah. almost like someone coming up to me and being like, it's not the same. I know it's not the same. But for yeah. someone to be like just another drunk Indian, yeah. saying, oh, it's just another pedophile priest yeah. in your, who's teaching you. Like that's not, it's not true because not every priest is a pedophile. Just like not yeah. every drunk is a native. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, they are very yeah. different and people need to learn to shut their mouths point blank they do people shut their mouth and like, re-educate your mind yeah and they just they're like oh well you know we're not privileged it's like yeah you are when you can go onto a site and you can call down a certain race or you can make it about you like you have been for hundreds and hundreds of years then yeah like just it's just it's so infuriating and it happens right here in Strathmore like my sister um my sister was walking on the Sobeys and these a, a group of young white boys drove by and called her a squaw and started laughing and drove off. And I was like, it's still happening. And that's why I, 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 in my poem, I said, we're still living through it. And how does it change? I don't know. People are so ignorant. I don't know how it changes because it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that people are so insensitive. 
Um, I'm truly heartbroken for you guys. Um, like I said, I know it's not my trauma, but to know that this happened to a whole culture, um, it's not fair. No, it's absolutely not fair. And I want to read something which, yep. um, again, you posted, I told you, I creeped you like crazy, but (laughs) you've got the goods. Um, I want to read it for our listeners and I, I, I'm going to laugh because most of our listeners are going to know exactly what I'm saying. Oh, my Instagram is being so slow. Here it is. They're going to know it as soon as I say it and they're going to have the tune in their head where did it go i'm i know the words but i'm I'm very emotional with you like i am here with you in your feelings so i don't want to mess it up um i'm so sorry guys that's fine just give me a second here okay because when i read it and i read it not in the disney way that i thought i would i read it as I think I intended when you wrote it down. Yeah. You think I'm an ignorant savage and you've been so many places. I guess it must be so, but still I cannot see. If the savage one is me, how can there be so much that you don't know? You don't know. You think you own whatever land you land on. The earth is just a dead thing you can claim. But I know every rock and tree and creature has a life, has a spirit, has a name. You think the only people who are people are the people who look and think like you. But if you walk the footsteps of a stranger, you'll learn things you never knew you never knew. Um, I want our listeners and I want you guys to just like sit in that for a second. I know that we go into the tune and the beautiful singing voice of Pocahontas in the movie and all that, but I really want our listeners to realize what those words mean and how for us, who this did not happen to, how we need to start standing up for those that it did happen to. We need to start educating. We need to start being an ally and we need to start letting your voices be heard. Yeah. Um, You talked about how your grandfather went to Old Sun Residential School on the Sixth Nation. Yeah. You listed 41 children yeah. who never returned home and, and that was that's just, just documented sorry and yeah and the, i don't think that was all of them but it was just i i found that list on the internet when i was kind of doing research to tell me there's a and yeah i was just like wow and i recognize like all those last names and that would re- that's what really resonated with people was like to see real names and real people. It was like kind of shocking. Yeah, it was, well, my grandpa, as he got older, um, he told, he he actually showed my dad uh, where burial sites were were placed. And he said, as he got older, he was, 
he was forced to go and he was forced to um sorry guys i got the plug in my phone he was forced to um dig holes for the for the kids that would be thrown in there and so he said i would we would wake up early in the morning and they would go and they would dig holes and he said um kids that babies that were born from girls that were raped at residential school were would be thrown in there if it was winter and if it wasn't winter they'd be burned in the stove yeah crazy it's and even my my mind can't comprehend that what you're saying is something that actually happened this is not just a horrible story that we're hearing you know told through lifetimes like this happened mm-hmm. it happened not long ago in our yeah. lifetime yep i just and i mean i will say in regards i, I was muted there for a bit i was listening the whole time but my little one is awake yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but strathmore and not just strathmore but any small town they do have have a vibe of just not understanding anything that's different um, and even though you've said that like your son's teacher is incredible, uh, unfortunately yeah. not everybody in the town is, is like her, right? And that goes, yeah. um, it just, it, it blows my mind. Um, now can you just clarify that Old Town is still a standing building? On yeah, it is. It's, um, it's actually, it was converted into a, um, a, a college and that's, that's where I took, I, that's where I took my nursing. Wow. And so it was, it's, it was uh, very conflicting going there for school. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people saw like, uh, we were actually at where our laboratory was and where our classroom was set up. We were in the girls dorm. Yeah. And so, um, when kids were brought to school, if you had a sibling in there, you were split up from them if you were the, if they, so they had girls on one side and boys on the other. And sometimes a lot of stories, a lot of people said that they would never see their sibling. Even though they were in the same building, they were always split up. And if you were caught like talking to um, your sibling or like, like talking through some places had like it fenced off that you would get in trouble, you'd get beaten, whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, it was like we were in the girls' dorm and like stuff would always happen. And you would go, I, you would have to go, I would have to go downstairs, like the below lower level to use the washroom. And oh my God, it was so like such a heavy, creepy feeling. And I would like, I hated when I had to go use the washroom down there. You just felt like, anyways, in the school, someone told me that in the basement when you go down this hall and you pass like the boiler room behind the boiler room correct me if i'm wrong um was a little room and there's names etched in the wall and that's where kids would get locked into oh my gosh and how are they they letting these buildings still be around like i know it's crazy i i guess like for for a lot of people they wanted to turn I guess it was a way of like reclaiming their power back maybe of like, okay, you guys did this horrible thing to our people in this building. We're going to try to turn it into something positive. And I, I understand that too. Yeah. But you, but I just like, I can't fathom. I'm like, Oh my God. Sorry yeah. guys. I'm just... 
can you correct me if I'm wrong, Mary? Like yeah. I'm taking the course as well. Um, obviously you guys are super spiritual. Yeah. Um, with like, and I don't want to talk about this lightly because it's obviously not light. Um, however, the children that were found in yeah. your spirituality, are yeah. they ever connected with their family members again if their bodies never given back to them? Does that make sense? Well, something my grandpa always told me was when like a body isn't found and given like a burial, like a proper burial, or they're not brought back to their tribe or whatever, their spirits will wander. That's what my grandpa taught me. And And that's what it's Yeah. And so like, yeah, we are like, it's, we're very, we're a very spiritual um, culture. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't know, but my dad, my dad was like, he used to doctor people. And what in that regard, I mean, um, people would come to our house. They, they'd like tell him like, you know, I know something is, so we believe in like spirits, like they're spiritual beings, right? Like there's a whole other realm that we, that exists beyond us mm-hmm. and good things and bad things exist in that, that I guess realm. And in our culture, a lot of times when you bring, when you're around alcohol or drugs in our culture, you're inviting bad things to come into your home. And so for me and my husband, we can't drink because it's in our blood to be addicts and because addictions run high in both of our families, we can't sit around and we, we can't enjoy a glass of wine because we're always, what was that? I'm exactly the same. Yeah. We're always at risk. And I used, you know, I used to, um, my parents, they fought so hard for drugs and alcohol not to be in our family. Um, they, they're, both of their parents were alcoholics from, just from the effects, what they went through in residential school. And they were both bad alcoholics on both sides, and they both experienced sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, they always, like, they, they instilled in us girls drinking is not okay drugs is not okay you know like they always that was one of the things that I commend them for and I thank them for was saying like no like we're choosing to stop this cycle yeah and we hope that you choose that too right and so uh how's your family that's my mom and dad like they and my grandpa was a heavy drinker like my mom said they would drink like they would binge for days and days and he, they completely quit cold Turkey when my sister Lydia was born. My, that's my oldest sister. <laughs> and they, yeah. And he said, my grandpa said like, that's enough. Like he told my grandma, we need to stop drinking. We have a granddaughter and we just need to get better. And so they did, they stopped drinking. And so I guess you can always go both ways right? You can go to, you can turn your life around and you can choose 
to not have alcohol and drugs part of your life, but not everyone has that strong support system. And that's what bugs me the most when people say, oh, well, it's a choice. No, sometimes it's not. Sometimes people don't have that support system to, mm-hmm. you know, be like, we're here, we support you, we support your decision to not have alcohol and drugs in your family. Sometimes people don't have that. They don't, and they sometimes they're too far gone. Sometimes they've been through so much trauma that they can't live without drinking. They can't live without drugs. They would die if they stopped. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And so my parents, they said they they never allowed alcohol. I've never seen my parents drink in my entire life, mm-hmm. ever. And, but then it's like, I used to drink and my mom, like even to this day, my mom always tells me just, she, she always still, she, my mom's, my mom and dad can parent me till the day that they die. And when we're doing something wrong, that's what I love about my parents. When we're doing something wrong, they're always so quick to be like, you know, that's enough. Like cut it out. My grandpa would, my, my grandpa would say like, that's enough, like enough. And that's what she had to tell me. She had to tell me, Mary, you can't drink. It's in your blood to be, it's runs in our family. It's generational. And, and I agreed. And so my husband and I, we stopped drinking because it's, it started becoming habit, right? We would never drink around our kids. That was one thing that we, we said, we're never going to drink around our kids. We'd like drink in the evenings. And I told him, I said, I feel like a phony. I said, I can't drink anymore. And he said, yeah, me too. So we haven't drank since before Lily was born. That's amazing. Or no, before Abel was born. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that not everyone is lucky enough to have parents that chose that route. Mm-hmm. I do think that some people, um, myself included, like my family went through like generational trauma, obviously very, very different. Um, yeah. and my mom ultimately did pass away from a lifetime yeah. drinking to cope with yeah. her trauma. Um, and yeah. she's case in point, had she ever, and I said this all the time, had she ever just stopped cold Turkey, her body would have shut down. Cause that's just what yeah. she relied on every day. Um, yeah. but she didn't have that support right? That all yeah. the kids went through their own traumas in their own ways. Could you stop? Goodness, my kid. Um, every single kid went through their own trauma in their own way and coped in their own way. And some of them passed away from overdose, things like that. So it's, uh, it's incredibly sad. And I, I praise you because it is not an easy thing to do to, to cut that out completely. Yeah. Yep. Addictions is, uh, it's a hard cycle to stop. And it, it, no matter how hard you try, it'll still creep into your life. Hi, baby. <laughs> You're so cute. But yeah, it's hard. My, like I, we still, do, as a family, we deal with addiction still. And it's hard. It's no one's immune to it. Even if you try, like I said, my parents, they never, I've never seen them use drugs. I've never seen them drink. Um, my mom stopped dr- uh, smoking because we lost our grandma. We lost my grandma to lung cancer when I was 12 and she was like the most amazing grandma. And so we, but it's, nobody's immune to it, but it's not everyone has that choice to be able to stop. Agreed. You know? um, so please yeah. give yourselves props for being able to and having the support it's not an easy decision and if we're just talking about like 
peer pressure alone in any society is is a huge huge thing and obviously jane like you don't drink um and just just due to obviously being mormon and that's just part of the culture yeah um and i feel like a lot of peer like i've experienced it in my teens and early 20s was you know you get somewhere and the first question is what can i get you to drink yeah if you say water or a soda or a juice you you get this look like why no really yeah. what can i yep. get you to drink and so i feel like there's got to be some stereotypical things as well just being indigenous that must be the first thing that they want to do yeah is give you a drink and that's just yep. infuriating to me yeah well like even then like it's like there's always been like even in school they my teachers would always say they would always assume I'd want to be in the lower classes they'd always assume that that's where they'd put me and I and I'm like and I'd always be like so offended I'd be like no I want I need my high I leave my dash one classes because I want to go to university or college after and they'd be like surprised and I'm like why are you surprised like it's like that's that stigma is and that stereotype will always be there It'll never go away because some people will never change. Some people will never change the way they look at us. And that's just the truth. And that's something we have to live with, but we don't have to tolerate it. Don't tolerate it. Don't. Because ignorance should not be, because people are being ignorant, that should not be made to be okay. And it should not be allowed to be normal. And so, um, I'm... (sighs) How do I word this? Sorry. Sometimes I'm really bad at wording, but it's like, I know (laughs) we shouldn't let this be a thing. And we need to be standing with, with you guys at this time. You, um, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this, but you guys are our brothers and sisters. Yep. We are all from whatever deity you believe or whatever, whatever our listeners are coming, whatever religious background or cultural background, we all come from the same place. Yeah. If you yep. strip it down, we all bleed the same color blood and we should all be willing, willing yeah. and respectful and wanting to help and wanting to make the change and to not be a part, be on the right side of history. Yep. Right? The, yeah. the intergenerational trauma, the residential schools, all of that, it's horrific. It's horrific. And the stereotypes, and that just needs to be like, don't leave it in the past, but you want to leave it in the past, but you want to take the lessons from there and take that into the future. Want to be the change yeah. for yeah, us, so yeah. that we we don't recreate these things happening because we've heard it time and time again that history can repeat itself if yeah. you don't start making changes now, and that's something that we need to be doing. Um, yeah. One thing I have learned from my course so far, which I think is really cool, is the word Canada mm-hmm. comes from the word. I'm going to say it wrong. Kanata, mm-hmm. which means village. Hmm. The indigenous word for village. I don't know oh. what, what language. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't, it's just something I read. Um, but it means village. And that's, I was sitting here and I, I wrote it down because I thought I've got my little, I've got questions for you, but this is also my notebook because I just thought yeah. it was so cool. And I was like, Canada literally means village. Yeah. We need to act as one. Yep. We need yep. to be there for each other, especially in trying times and times of reteaching. That's what we yep. have to do. We have to re-educate and relearn and um, 
pass that on. So yeah. um, I do want to just, I think we're going to just wrap it up if that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. I want to thank you so much mm-hmm. for being vulnerable, being open, yeah. telling not just your story, but like your grandfather's story and your auntie's story. Um, mm-hmm. I know sorry will never be the, enough. Yeah. But I am, I am sorry mm-hmm. on behalf of um, religious people and white people. And I can't mm-hmm. talk for an entire race, but I just please know that I'm doing my part. I know Jen's doing hers. Yeah. And I know that there are many others out there who want to help and be yeah. on the right side with you guys. And so, yeah. I just want to thank you so much for sharing that with us and for, um, and I want our, list, our listeners to know, sorry, I'm very emotional right now because mm-hmm. I'm, I also don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm very nervous yes. that I could say the wrong thing. Um, yeah. but just remember everyone that you need to educate yourself. This is a horrific thing in history that has happened. And yeah. if we stay silent about it, it will get swept under the rug. It got swept yeah. under the rug. I think it was, I might be really wrong, but I believe it was 2008 with mm-hmm. um, Stephen Harper yeah. who came out and he apologized. Yeah. Well done. It should have happened. Yeah. It was a little late, but yeah. I'm thankful it happened, but it did kind of get swept under the rug since then. It's like, everyone's like, oh, we already get, gave an apology. Honey, that's not Why enough. Why should we have to? Yeah. Yeah, yep. it's not enough. There's more we can do. And we all need to be looking at what we would want if that was happening to our family, if that happened to to us, if that happened to our ancestors. Yeah. We need to educate ourselves. That's the, that's probably the the biggest thing I can ask people to take from this is to educate yourselves. Don't be ignorant. Be that change. It sounds cheesy to be that change, but be that dang change. Um, yep. But by being that change, you're not asking people to do something insane that is not out of their grasp. You're asking them to educate themselves. That yep. is what you're asking. Um, and I do think that in the in the now, another ask is for the people who can is to keep searching and start trying to figure out if there are more children that need to be reunited with their families in whatever matter that means. Yeah. And well, there's, there's even like, sorry, please go. Oh, um, they're saying that, um, I heard this somewhere that they can probably find a minimum of 4,000 kids that they're going to find if they choose to search the schools. And, and they should. Um, yeah. Why and would they choose? I know. Yeah. It's like, it's you funny. should. Yep. It's going to and, come, but there's, come down but to there's money. There's actually um, a company in Kamloops that is willing to go to residential schools for free, which I commend them for, and yep. to allow them to use their equipment. So oh, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but I just, I want to say thank you for giving me this platform. I've always wanted to speak on it because, like I said, I've seen my grandpa. I've seen him struggle. I think the one thing that broke my heart the most was my grandpa was the most lovingest guy. But the one time I said, grandpa, how do you say I love you in Blackfoot? And he's like, you don't ask me questions like that. And I was just like, this is what residential school made our people be like. They, they, it was like, it was not normal 
for they weren't shown love they weren't shown love as kids they were put into the school they were treated like animals they were raped they were tortured they were starved a lot of them died a lot of them had kids when they were like young young girls and they were never shown love there was a whole generation of our people that they expected us to they expected them to be functioning members of society when they they did all of this to them for years and that's why you have all these kids in in foster care residential school hasn't went away it's still happening in foster care our kids still get treated like this they get treated like animals and it's still happening and our kids are still being taken away from our reserves and their families and it's sad and it just it broke my heart to see my grandpa but he he told me every single night he put us to bed it was so it was amazing so my grandpa and grandma they would come over and they'd put us to bed and my grandpa would sing to us an old blackfoot and they would like draw on our backs that was like her thing so now like Kamal's like tell my husband please draw on my back <laughs> and that was my grandma's thing my my grandpa would sing to us and my grandma would draw on our backs and he always told us I love you but it stopped when we got to a certain age because he didn't know how to express it because he was he was taught that it wasn't okay to show love he was taught that just something as simple as giving a hug they never got they couldn't hug their parents the way my son has a horrible if he I always know when I pick up my son from school he can be himself around me so he like just melts down and he he's probably been holding in like all this like someone has a favorite toy of his and he gets upset and he he's really good at like not showing that in public but as soon as he comes home he just like melts down and I embrace him and I let him have his little tantrum and then he goes about to say our my grandpa and my grandma they didn't have that they they didn't have that foundation of love. And so even my husband, he lived a harsh, harsh life. And I hope one day he can share his story because man, he has an amazing story. And you wouldn't even believe looking at Tony that he's been through what he's been through. And it's just, we're still repairing, even though my grandma and grandpa went through it and we're two generations down I'm still sitting here repairing the effects of residential school. And that's what people don't see. They don't see the abuse that my husband went through and other kids went through. And they don't see me sitting here trying to repair the brokenness. They don't see that. And that's what breaks my heart is it doesn't go away just like that. And we can't get over it. All we ask is... You just educate yourselves. Like you said, the most important thing is to educate yourselves and to let your kids know that this did exist. Mm-hmm. And, and just always remember how lucky we are to have our kids with us. One of my coworkers, she's a nurse, and she said, you know, she was asking questions. And I said, what if someone drove up to your house right now and took your daughter? put her into an institution, raped her, molested her, beat her because she was speaking English and they wanted her to speak a different language. And she said, I don't know. She said, I don't know. I, she said, I said, that's what happened. That's what happened to our people. 
and and then you wonder why you majority of the homeless population in Calgary is indigenous because these people that are on the streets they lived most of them have lived through residential school but no it's just another drunk Indian to people and there was just a place for them to go and yeah. to have counseling or to that wasn't a thing and yeah, so no it was way to deal is to drink and drinking unfortunately would lead them to other bad acts. Yeah. yeah yeah and it it's like i said we were they were t- taken out of residential school and forced into a society where they were expected to be functioning human beings and they couldn't people didn't know how to be parents they didn't know how to be loving they didn't know how to show emotion and love to their kids and so therefore it just was passed on to that generation it was passed on to my parents generation and then my parents generation they become alcoholics drug addicts abusive and and sexual abuse and it just gets passed on generation to generation to generation it doesn't stop you're the and that's yeah and i'm just like and I'm just, I'm so thankful. I'm very thankful. I'm thankful that my kids will never be taken. And as an Indigenous woman, before I end, I told, I had Abel. And when I went to go see the nurse, she said, how are you? I said, I'm suffering really severely from postpartum depression. And she said, well, why didn't you say anything? She, and I told her, as an Indigenous woman, it's always my fear for a white person to tell me that I'm not capable of taking care of my kids. And so that's why I've never shared with the health system that I suffered severely from postpartum depression. And that's the sad thing. Never even thought of that. Yeah. And with my, and I never would have thought that for an indigenous woman, that would be, that's never crossed my mind. I am. Yeah. And she said, no, yeah. And even with my daughter, Lily, I went, there would be days where I would just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And my husband was like, oh my God, like, and, and that was the first time I told her. And she said, well, did you have postpartum depression with your other kids? I said, yeah, but I was too scared to tell you guys because I didn't want you to deem me an unfit mother and take my kids. And so we suffer, Indigenous women, we suffer in silence. People don't know that. It's scary, even for like, even for like my kid, like it's the most scariest feeling because there's so many Indigenous kids in the foster care and our kids are so taken so easily. I can't tell, I don't feel comfortable telling my doctor that I'm suffering. And so we suffer in silence and we hurt in silence because that's our biggest fear. And at any moment, someone can tell a lie and tell the system that you're not fit to be a mom and they come and they take your kids away. And so even men, indigenous men, so many of, so many of us young people are suffering. And I think that's what breaks our heart, heart the most about our friends staying silent is you don't, people don't want to admit that this happened and they don't want to see that it's happening to their friends. And it, it broke my heart when a lot of our close friends, they didn't even acknowledge that it happened. They, they couldn't even share anything on social media. And I was just like, you see where people's hearts are. And maybe a lot of them, they don't know how to approach it. And I think sometimes that's it, but, 
if you want to have friends that are indigenous, you have to be able to educate yourself. And so I commend you ladies on taking this course and asking me to be here. And it's, it takes a lot. It's, it's, you guys are doing and you guys are doing what you're not just saying, you're not just changing your profile picture to orange and saying, oh yeah, we, and then not doing anything about it. You're educating yourselves and you will probably educate your kids on it. And that's where the cycle stops. And so thank you for that. And thank you for giving me this time to talk about it. Cause I've never been able to share with anyone really, except my family. We'll most definitely have you on again and again and again. Um, yeah. This needs to be an ongoing thing because yeah. change yeah. happen. Um, yeah. But I commend you for being the woman you are, the mother you are, the nurse you are, um, the leader within your community, um, within your photography, you're doing projects, you're out here photographing these amazing people and telling their stories. And I feel like only someone who's within your community could do that with such a heartfelt, like deep love. Um, and I know that, you know, obviously the trauma keeps going. Um, but you are a change and I hope that you commend yourself Mm -hmm. for being that change. Thank you. Because your children you. are going to go through kid traumas. They all do, but they won't endure yeah. traumas that are of the past. They'll endure yeah. traumas of, you know, a sibling pushing them to the ground because he stole them. <laughs> yeah. That's where that trauma should stop. Um, yeah. I just commend you. And I think that you are the change. And so I would love to have you on the podcast with us on a, yeah, on a of course. basis. And yeah. I want to see more of your projects. I would, I know obviously Jane's in Utah now, but invite me out. I would be more than, I would love to see all that your culture has to offer out there. And uh, I'm not a videographer, but maybe I can bring my camera and we'll get some, some footage. For real, like if they have our powwow, for sure, come to our powwow. People are always so okay with like, I always ask first, can I photograph you? Because a lot of people like the regalia is everything to them. It's like the, a part of their identity. But a lot of people are really open about like, yeah, sure, photograph me. And it's just we have such a rich, beautiful culture that it's sad that for a whole generation that they get, didn't get to experience it. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I do just also want to, I know we're wrapping it up. I know we've said that like 20 minutes ago. Sorry. It's a long, but it's an important one um, yeah. but an important podcast, but I want the pe- the listeners who are in, well, I signed it down here in Utah, but you can sign it anywhere. If you are wanting to help make a change, there is a petition going around. We just need 5,000 signatures, guys. We are at 3,853. We need what? 1,200 more, 1,147 more. Um, yeah. We are, tra- there's, a petition going around to change the name of Bishop Grandin High School. Um, Bishop Grandin High School, to know a little bit about this, good old Bishop Grandin, he was part of the force that tore apart families and caused irreplaceable, no, not wrong word, irreparable, sorry, damage to the indigenous people in Canada as part of the continuing justice and ensuring that our Catholic community's beliefs are reflected in the school's district policies and program. We solid, solid, I can't say it, solidly believe that we need to rename Calgary Bishops Grandin High School as soon as possible. Um, They are trying to get 5,000 signatures. They would like to get this all done and hopefully have it announced by September 30th, which is Orange Shirt Day, which is Indigenous um, 
it's a it's a day to remember residential schools and the indigenous culture community and what they went through and i just think if you have 10 seconds go find it it's on change.org make that help with that signature let us let's let's start changing how things are being seen in calgary we start you start at home you start at home mm-hmm. and you watch out from there and um i don't know why we're honoring someone who did horrific things yeah, I just want to touch on that. I saw Jason Kenny. I actually wrote like a whole thing to him and then I freaking deleted half and I was like, okay, it wasn't meant to be. Anyways, in my thing, I what the post I was going to post, it was directed at Jason Kenny and he called Johnny McDonald or no, he called the guy who, whatever their school they were renaming, a great leader. And I was like, how can you call someone a great it leader was, who performed genocide? McDonald. Yeah, yeah, Johnny McDonald. How can you call him a great leader? Great leaders, I think of like people who like, you know, they do positive things for their community and blah, blah, blah. And he called, and I was like so offended. I was like, you're so ignorant and your privilege is just like shining. Like I just, in my post, I was like, you should have just kept your mouth shut. You do more damage. And that's what I hate about it. It's like people feel privileged enough to spew their what they think and their ignorance. And sometimes it's just like, just keep your mouth shut. And I don't mean to sound rude, but it's like, I was like, how can you call this man a great leader? He wanted to kill an entire race. He wanted to assimilate a tire in an entire race because he thought that we were savages. And little did he know that our culture was so beautiful. It was so rich. It was so holy. And I was just like, I was so upset. And it's like, if there was a statue of Hitler at a school, I would be offended. I would be offended for the people that suffered under him, suffered under his, yeah. I went to university in the South. Yeah. Like, that was a real thing. A lot of people, it was very divided in the South. Uh, Yeah. Obviously, I'm talking about slavery. Uh, Very divided. Um, But yeah, it's a very real thing. Right. And great he's like, that's all great. He's like, great people. Oh, where we just cancel culture. No, it's not about canceling culture. It's about respecting indigenous people. We're not asking for you guys to erase, erase history. No, that's not what we're asking. We're asking for you guys to have a little humility and a little compassion and just change the freaking school. Yep. It triggers people. That name triggers people. It triggers trauma and it's not hard and it's not the end of the world. And your great leader, he doesn't deserve to have a, na- a school named after him or whatever he said. I was just so frustrated. Though. I was like, oh my God, this guy's such a goof. I was just like, oh. and I hope he hears this one day. <laughs> if he hears it, hey, give us a call. I have a lot of questions. I know, right? <laughs> well, thank you again so much for being here. Again, everyone, please take the time to educate yourself. Mary, we're going to have to have you back on, but please give her a follow. Go check out the projects that she is working on on her Instagram page. Um, what's your Instagram page again? Uh, Mary Big Bull Photography. Thank you. Um, check it out and um, let us know. Give us a, let us know what you think of this episode. Let us know what you think that we can help with. And um, yeah, we're, we're going to have to have you back. I'm sure we'll have a great series and we'll just Thanks. have a lot of deep conversations. Uh, thank you so much, Mary. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Hey mamas, before you go, if you love this show and found it benefited you in an amazing way, take a screenshot of this podcast and post it in your Instagram stories. Tag us in it and you'll share it. So if you have
decided to do this show. So thanks for listening and we can't wait to chat with you next time.